Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the guess the sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round Find out what it means Everton will break your heart But there's still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues It is the Blue Room. Welcome to another week of Everton. Loads going on, um, I should probably say. As Dave has been putting out on all of our recent marks, and we are the most listened to Everton podcast, apparently. Denari knows that, uh, but I will trust Dave. So thank you for listening. Uh, and we will get into talking about potentially another win at Goodison this weekend against Villa. Uh, can Everton make it three in a row at home under Sean Dyche? Uh, we will talk about press conferences, about injuries, about all sorts. Uh, joining me today to go through it all are Warren Doyle. Warren, how are you, mate? Good, long time no speak, Matt. Hope everything's all right with you. Yeah, smashing, mate, smashing. Uh, Rob Vera as well. How are you, Rob? Doing great. Uh, getting ready to fly out to uh, Portland, Oregon tomorrow for a long weekend trip. My wife and I are going to see Bruce Springsteen in concert. It's unbelievable. Big, big bucket list uh, item uh, that I'm checking off the list. So pretty excited. I mean, I think I probably will give up Everton Aston Villa to see that, to be fair. Um, just about yeah. know which one I prefer. Yeah. Um, and also joining us is Peter Mark. Pete, how are you doing, mate? I'm all right, yeah. I'm, I'm slightly jealous that um, that Rob's going off to see Bruce Springsteen. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. <laughs> it, puts <laughs> okay than that. it puts everyone's weekend's plans into perspective a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if I can, bra- I'm gonna brag, and and I don't care that I'm bragging because I've never done anything like this before. I uh, I've never bought such good tickets to an A lister before, but like you know, and I don't want to talk about it any further than that in terms of what it costs. But I will tell you that I'd saved up for a long time to do something like this, and we've got like 16 floor center seats for this. Like we're really. I'm, I'm, you know, we're traveling there. She's, my wife's got family up there. I'm excited. We wanted to do this right. So Saturday night in Portland, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I'm, I'm so pumped. I can't wait. Oh, it's brought, it's really positive now. That's kind of brought me down a little. <laughs> no, it's good. Hey, look, I'm guaranteed to have a happy weekend is the way I look at it. And uh, you should you should be happy about that, man. We are. I'm very happy for you, Rob. Um, but we will be watching Sean Dyche's Blues. Uh, Stick it to Aston Villa on Saturday, hopefully. Um, yeah. and, and do you know what? I, I asked for questions to start off with. Um, and usually we finish at the end, don't we, with the questions. But I think Foxy asked a really interesting one there. And I thought that'd be sort of a, a good place to start. It's like a bit of an overall. And the question is, essentially, does dice ball, in inverted commas, look as as sort of what you would expect it to look like? And how do you like the look of it so far? <laughs> Warren, I'll come, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. I think I'm right in saying this is the first time you've been on since Dice has, has been our, our manager. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you, how have you felt about it, it all so far? I mean, 
obviously zeroing in on the first two home games, is it pretty much what you would have expected from Everton? Yeah, I think if you'd have offered us the six points out of the nine available since he took charge, we absolutely would have took that. In terms of Dice's appointment itself, you know, I, I've gone on record of being on the Blue Room as saying that I was always one to, to, you know, I always wanted to back Lampard, I always wanted to back the manager. I think it's got to come to a point, and I've said many times on here before, that we have to have stability at some point, whether it's this manager, the next manager, whoever. We have to have a period where we have a manager for longer than a year, two years, three years. So I felt a bit sorry for Lampard in that respect. I don't think he was dealt a good hand, but that's been and gone now. And I think what I've realised with Dyche is that he was probably the best selection for this group of players. Does that mean I think he's key for us long term? Not necessarily so, but I'm willing to give him the opportunity, willing to give him the chance. I think what he has done is he's made things very simple. And I think that's what we've had to do. We've had to go, sounds cliche, but we've had to go back to basics. He's, he's, he's given the players simple tasks and simple things to do. And whilst it might not be pretty football I think we'll all be I think we don't really care at the moment I think as long as it's effective and as long as it's gaining points there's no issue for me I got asked the question before the Arsenal game will you stay up and I said no not a chance it's not going to happen the Arsenal game happens and then I got asked the question again will you stay up and I said if you'd have asked me before that game would have said no however after that result we've got a chance the Liverpool game then came and Look, that happens every year at Anfield. But it did feel a little bit like old Everton again and honeymoon period was over. And then we get to Leeds and I thought it was a great performance. I was nervous watching it, but really in reality, I had nothing to be worried about. I thought Leeds were woeful watching it back. And I thought we did the job we had to do, which was simple, effective, get the three points. So we've been brought in to do that job and what he's done has been effective and you know, let's worry about that for now. Let's worry about playing simple, effective football that keeps us in the league. And I think that for this season will certainly do for us. Yeah, I mean, Pete, same question to, to you really, mate. It's it's one of them, isn't it? I think it's it's the sort of football, certainly the Leeds game, it's the sort of game you look back and, and enjoy and, and take the moments from it when you're the other side of it and when you've won. But there were times where it was hard going, where the team wasn't playing particularly well. But you know, it feels like that's sort of what we've got to make games about at the moment, isn't it? Make them tight, make sure we're defensively compact and then just try and get home on a fine margin, be it a goal like Coleman scored or a piece of brilliance or a set piece or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on a, on a personal note, I absolutely love this type of football. Give me horrible, horrible dice ball all day, every day. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we've certainly in the position that we find ourselves in. Um, I don't think we can expect anything else. I think that's that's what we have to do. We have to go back to basics. We have to make ourselves hard to beat. We're, we're all we're all more than aware of you know we're all fully aware of the of the deficiencies that we have in the squad, especially in the in the final third. We 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 all understand that we're not exactly going to go out and and batter teams four and five nil. Um, we've we've got to we've got to keep it tight and we've got to try and try and snatch snatch the odd goal and and hopefully you know that's that's the way we're going to grind up these results. But yeah, I'm 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 more than happy with with how we're playing. Um. Like you say, I mean the way the, the the derby game was was kind of a bit of a write off for me anyway. I I wasn't confident going into that game. Um, I thought it was always going to be about about these home fixtures uh, for me to try and get these points on the board. But yeah, I'm I'm more than happy with with how we started off on the dice and and um and certainly one of the big pluses for me as well is that I, you know there's a few players who've actually stepped up to the plate. Players who were probably seen as, uh, you know, in the peripheral, uh, you know, under Lampard, the likes of Abdelai Decore, Dwight McNeil as well. He's put some fantastic performances in um, over the last couple of games. And yeah, it, it's starting to click for me. Um, the one thing we'd obviously like to see more is if we could get, you know, an earlier goal and, and potentially go forward and try and grab a few more just to make things a bit easier for us as supporters. Because um, I don't think, I can remember the last time I actually enjoyed watching us play, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think I think I'm certainly I'm I'm a lot more confident than I was about staying in the league than I was even you know going back to three three or four weeks ago. Yeah, Robin, it's it's not just, I suppose when we talk about the style of football, you talk about what you do on the ball and from an attacking point of view, don't you? But you know the the two home games really against Arsenal and against Leeds, certainly the Leeds game, it's. There's not really been a, a sense in any of those games that Everton are on the brink of collapsing like they did in you know matches against Brighton and Wolves and Southampton. It's felt like 
teams have actually have to work hard and do something to score a goal against us now, whereas beforehand it was not really that case at all. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, we're, I mean, I, I, first and foremost, I'm just, I'm thrilled with the results and the results are really all that matter um, in the same way that, I mean, it's so weird because I feel like we're having the exact same conversation we had this time last year around the time Lampard got appointed, which was the bar is low. All they have to do is survive. And as long as they stay up, then it's job done. And so Daesh in some ways has the same bar, even a lower bar, because everyone's like, not only do we only just need to survive, it doesn't have to look good. We don't, you know, we don't have to like the expectations are both low and high all at once. They're low from the standpoint that we expect to see nothing that we enjoy watching and that literally finishing uh, 17th place would be, you know, everyone would be pretty thrilled with that. Um, and they're high from the standpoint that I think this squad is so terrible. Uh, I think that Sean Dyche has been handed such a difficult hand. I, I applaud the way that he continues to, uh, to lie directly to our faces by saying this squad's way better than ones I've had before. I think that there's a lot of quality in this group. He may, you know, he's saying exactly what he needs to say. We have been, you know, and maybe it's just the benefit of he hasn't had to watch these players for as long as we have. Um, I, I would say that, you know, to, to answer the Foxy's question, I kind of did a little on Twitter, but um, I I will just tell you that you I, I am happy about the results. I never would have expected us to to beat Arsenal. So to have won two out of three, that's all that really matters. But in terms of answering the question about, well, what do I think about Deitch ball so far? I mean, you know, I, I pretty much expected it to be a hard watch, uh, uh, even under the even under the best of circumstances for Deitch. It's not like it's ever been fun to watch, even when he's had, you know, team, even when he had his best team, I think that made Europe. It, we, I mean, we would have had a we would be thrilled with something like that. But I mean, it's it's never going to be a, a good watch. Now, I would say that. I am just of uh, I am just trying my best and I don't think this is a strong suit of our fan base as a whole uh to not be a prisoner of the moment and what I mean by that is uh it's been 3 games this this club have won 2 games since October um this is an incredibly small sample size uh and we have scored two goals we have conceded two goals we have two clean sheets <laughs> You know, there's like a weird, weird pattern here um, and we have two wins. So like, uh, you know, like, like you can you can squint and decide you feel a certain way about any of those. The two goals that we have scored, let's I mean, one was a set piece. Awesome. Love it. And we would love to see more of that. The other was uh, Seamus Coleman putting his head down, not looking at the goal at all and kicking the ball across like he has done a million times unsuccessfully and had the flukiest of fluke goals that he can say no, he, he no, absolutely intended this. to do. No, he, no he, it's fine. He I don't care. <laughs> hey, the goal. Yeah, I he he absolutely did in the same way that uh, when I when that when someone hits a half court shot at, at halftime of a basketball game to win ten thousand dollars that they knew exactly what they were doing. Like like it's fine. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter. The goal went in. We needed the goal. There's not, and this is not even really about Deitch, by the way, guys. My my concerns and I'm not. I'm so after two two wins in these three. If you ask me the question, well, do I feel fundamentally different about Everton and their chances of, of survival right now? I still don't yet. I, I mean, it's only been three games, and that is not an indictment of Deitch. He has come in and, and if anything, overperformed in these first three games in terms of the results, right? So that's all that matters. Um, we can't my, – my concerns or my doubts about Everton surviving are very simple, guys. We don't score enough goals. I don't care who our manager is. This is not Sean Dyche's fault. Uh, Frank Lampard was left with the same issues as well, even before, even when he got here too. Like we don't score enough goals, and therefore we are susceptible to relegation, regardless of how how organized we are, regardless of you know a lot of things. The what you hope though is that level of organization and cohesion makes us just good enough to not go down. 
it's not it, it, to ask Daesh to suddenly find goals in this side, which he hasn't done yet, and that's not his fault. Uh, is is probably asking too much. We have the least, we have maybe the worst attacking group mm. talent wise in in the entire league. So, so to me, for him to have gotten two wins out of three from this horrific group and by the way i watched a different game like i'm i'm happy we beat leeds we we were all i think we looked our best against arsenal we were awful against liverpool and i think we were less awful than leeds and and and, and the thing and what i mean by that is that leeds were so bad that our mediocrity looked great by comparison and and look we 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 that was a hard watch matt like I, i think there's a lot of like Man, it, we did pretty good. It's because we won the game. We won the game, and so therefore people are like, "Yeah, I think we performed pretty well." We didn't. Perf- I don't know that I buy that we performed that well in any, except for defensively, and you know, and that's maybe all that matters. Yeah. Like we didn't concede a shot on goal, but man, watching this team go forward remains one of the most painful exercises that there is. But I am all here for whatever way in which we can manufacture points, and from that standpoint, Sean Dyche has gotten off to a flying start. Yeah, um, it, like I said, there's a good opportunity for it to get better on Saturday. Uh, but we'll talk about that game and actual football a little bit. Um, but it's been another busy week off the pitch. Uh, Pete, I'll, I'll come back to you first on this one, mate, because the um, the club have done another bit of communication. Um, and whenever I sort of see that or see it coming out, I do cringe a little bit about what's going to uh, what's going to follow. And reading through that, I think it was a 13 page document responding to questions from the fan advisory board um, I continue to cringe a, a little bit more I'm not gonna lie um because the club answered questions on everything from uh parking surveys to Sheikh Mansour being interested in the football club uh Alicia Osmanov sitting in on interviews but not actually interviewing anybody um we commented on us being you know up against the wall a little bit in terms of props and sustainability rules it was just it's it's riled up a lot of people, hasn't it? And I think it's just my, my my disappointment with it is that I think it's it's sort of indicated that the the fan advisory board is being used in a way I think in which a lot of people feared it would be in the sense that it is a club entity and maybe and I'm listen I'm not blaming the fan advisory board by any means because they came out to condemn the answers themselves and said that they need to be better and they have got concerns. But I think it's sort of being it's being used in a way to sort of push some club PR in the way in which they wanted it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's the. I, I don't really know what we what we kind of ex- expected in terms of the answers. Well, obviously, we'd seen what the questions were going to be. They've been published by the fan advisory board um, a couple of weeks back. Um, I was, I wasn't surprised with the vagueness of of the the, the responses from Everton. Um, it actually reminded me of of the type of answers you get from a from a Tory MP. Uh, th- those sorts of, you know, the, the answer they an- they gave a lot of answers without actually answering anything. They didn't really didn't really say much. Um, they didn't really commit to much. They didn't really give any kind of anything sort of controversial or any kind of real answers to anything. Um, but again, I think the fan advisory board. I think in its in its in its purest form, the fan advisory board should be there for supporters to be able to put their opinions across and you know to to basically deal with very basic things i think when it comes to the running of the football club i think it's totally redundant i don't think it's i think it's it's a pointless exercise i think when it comes down to when it comes to things um in terms of actually running the club on a day-to-day basis i don't see what what the fan advisory board brings to be honest with you because how do you wade through the comments how how can you make a decision on what comments need to be need to be put to the board how many how do you i just i it's it's a concept to me that seems um that seems flawed um i can see the benefits of it in some sense like i know for i know for example uh, julie Macon, who's the who's the fan advisory board rep for everton the everton women's supporters club i know that julie uh, for example it's probably a smaller group in terms of the actual you know the, the, the in terms of who she represents uh, I know that Julie's putting some some really pertinent questions to the club. I know that Julie is trying her best to try and get those answers from the club. Um, but that's on a very basic level of things to do with, you know, sponsorships, you know, to do with the, you know, things that are happening at Walton Hall Park. Um, it's, it's nothing to do with the actual, you know, the, the actual uh, governance of the football club. And I think when it comes to that, I just think the fan advisory board are totally out of the depth. And I just don't think that they've got the... Um, I don't think that they've got the standing within the football club to be able to get real answers. Um, I'm 
it just comes across as a bit of a box ticking exercise to me. It just, it, it really does. And I feel for the people on the fan advisory board, I really do, because I feel like that they, um, you know, they, they are volunteers. They give up their time. Um, they obviously have the best intentions possible. Um, I don't think that they that anyone could really slate them on a personal level. They're obviously going to have their own opinions about things. Um, but I just think on, they're on a hiding to nothing. And I just think that regardless of what the club would have come out to say, um, I just don't think it was ever going to be going ever going to be enough. I think the only answer that any that well, not any, not every Evertonian, but in my opinion, the only answer that would would satisfy me would be if um, if one or two of the board were to were make it to make a decision about stepping down and being replaced. Yeah, it's it, it is difficult, isn't it? Because like Pete said, you know, a lot of people who do the fan advisory board and the, their their intentions are great, and you know, great Evertonians. Um, but it, I think it's more for me the concern is that the, the answers that the club provided in the sense that. You know, it feels very much like the Titanic's heading for the iceberg, and they're not—they're not really looking at it. Going, it's just going to disappear that soon. It's uh, we'll be absolutely fine. Honestly, none of this is going to really impact us, and it, it just feels like there's a complete lack of awareness about the the situation the club's in by by some people. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, and I think unless you have a fan who is on the board itself, representing the fans as a board member, you're never going to get in a position where you get exactly, like Pete said, exactly what you want in terms of answers from the club. I'm just looking at some of the key points that came out from the documents. And some of the things that I'm reading here about how months of planning went into the January transfer window and the money was available and the club wasn't underfunded. That, to me, is a mockery, what they've told us there. Because for me, I look at what other clubs have done. And I get that you know maybe we're not in as a, a healthier financial position as maybe we once were or maybe other clubs are currently. But I'm sorry, I, I think to see other clubs do deals very quickly early in January, and we've known, and Rob was... I've got been on before and I've said about how Rob made his assessments to the summer transfer window and at the time I felt he was not, not overly critical, but I, I felt that it was a good window, not brilliant, but a good window. Rob was slightly more critical than I was. And as it went further on into into the, the months and the season and we started struggling, we realised just how much we needed, the, 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 especially players in forward positions and We've known. I said. I've said this numerous times. We've known since Richard. Uh, we've known. Sorry, that Richardson was always going to leave, and we've done nothing to replace that. And we've had two windows to to do that, knowing that he was going to leave. And what sort of condemned it even further was the fact that Anthony Gordon's gone. We've got money in for him, and we've not brought in a replacement for a side that's struggling like we are. That's that's to me is criminal. I actually used the word on on one of the shows before, one of the Blue Room shows before, and said if we do not bring in one or two. Might have even said two or three. If we do not bring in two or three attacking players, it is criminal, and we didn't do that. So for me to read that and document to say that months of planning went into, I, I'm I'm sure people did work hard. I'm sure people did, like Sean Dyke said, were working through the night to try and get deals over the line. But to me, it just goes back to the fact that I think the board is out of their depth in terms of providing whatever to need, and it's not just from a transfer transfer point of view. It's from a number of point of views and. It's just little things that happen, like the Lampard. Everyone knew Lampard had been sacked, but the club didn't announce it till the next day, and it was all over the news. But just little things like that, it's just signs that a club is in disarray further up the top. And, you know, again, touching on what Pete said, I've got no issue with anyone, any of the fans who are on the board. They've all got great intentions. They all want to make it better. But I think unless you have a nominated fan on the board itself or two fans, the club are just going to put out what they want to put, and I get that as well. You know, they they've got a job to do. It's all for the all for the club to answer. So, like independent, like it's something independent from the football club mm. to answer questions from from them. I suppose, isn't it? That that's the only yeah, way you're going to get because it's 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 fine putting out answers like that, but it's then it's then the next step is being held to account for those answers and people looking at them well, and going, well, what what about this and what about that? You said this, let me come back mm. to you on that. That that's not going to happen. No, there's, situation, there's, is it? Yeah, exactly, exactly, and there's no. You haven't got to. They haven't got to give a specific answer. They, there's no demand or there's no rule 
that they have to say a certain thing. They can put out whatever they want and come out with, well, we've engaged with the fans. That's why we set up the fan advisory board. But I think you put it brilliantly, Matt, before. It is something that's being put in place for something that can put out really whatever they want to put out and say and and, and be satisfied. The other, the other thing for me is the way that they've said AGMs will not return, um, but board members could provide updates in their own words. That, to me, is just board members hiding. Um, I'm a member of a local sports team and we have an AGM. Now, of course, that's nowhere near the level of a Premier League football club. I get that. But we have a yearly meeting where we answer to each other about finances at the club, this and that. Because if you're putting money into something, you deserve answers, in, in my opinion. And I think as fans, as custodians, we deserve at least an AGM where fine, vet the questions or you know request certain things don't get said or do get said. But that should be something that a fan nominated representative on the board should be able to go to the board and then that should be fed back to us via through an AGM or monthly newsletter, whatever it might be. Um, it just feels that Everton get these type of things wrong and have them for a while now, which is a shame because I think there's some really good supporters out there who could do a fantastic job. We've got some brilliant supporters, brilliant fans who could really do a lot for this club and, and help us. Um, so it's unfortunate it's not being utilised. Yeah, and um, Rob, what, what did you make of it? I mean, just, just reading through the whole thing, it, I could just imagine the people at the top of Everton getting this list of questions through and rolling their eyes going, oh, God, do we have to do this, really? Yeah, accountability is really annoying, Matt. Uh, <laughs> you know, it really is. And there is there's no there's no better way to evade accountability than by um than by kind of creating a ruse that you are accountable and and the written the written Q&A is the classic example of that because the great thing about not having to ever answer questions live and it's not like you know Warren made a great point about the AGMs like it, you know, it's not as if Everton or any of these Premier League clubs ever really allow themselves to be open to much scrutiny, but they would at least do the thing where they, they had an AGM once a year and allowed people to ask questions and and actually make these board members or the ownership a little bit uncomfortable because they would be in an environment where they actually had to face someone looking them in the eye and asking them a question. A written Q&A is the, I mean, it is a politician's, a lawyer's dream. You know, it is, it is the, you know, you can ask whatever, hey, we are, we are open and transparent. Send us a list of questions. We'll give you answers. Now, we may not answer the questions that you have asked specifically, but we're going to give you some answers. Like, all you need to know about that, that exercise that we just witnessed was the question about Usmanov, because, to, to my point, the question was, has Usmanov been sitting in on interviews? The answer from the club was, and what was it, guys? It was, you know, Usmanov has never interviewed a candidate. Like, it didn't, it purposely evaded and just didn't answer the question. Uh, the may question well wasn't he, whether... You may as well have said he was not, not there. Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's all like it that, was. Yeah. It, it was completely inappropriate for someone like that to just be sitting in the room and... So, like, but whatever, like they've just, yeah, of course he was there. Um, Lampard, I think basically admitted he was there. like, all that stuff is, is there. And it just shows you that, you know, we can talk about process and we can talk about, you know, what transparency looks like. And I think that we have had our expectations about what transparency and accountability ought to look like so whittled down to almost nothing to where they now just have gotten rid of the AGMs and they just answer the questions they want to answer and they don't show up to games anymore. And they can, you know, there's someone going around, I guess, headlocking people at the club and they got to get that under control. And there's all this stuff, right? But we have just gotten to the point and, and I've been screaming this for years, guys, like as long as the, as long as the manager gets to show up once a week and answer a very, very select set of questions to which they can really neuter and groom down to like, you know, the, the, the most vanilla boring questions ever asked by basically one or two people. And then combine that with the fact that the 
the the director of football never has to actually be in an open Q and A environment with media members. They they, they you know they, I think Everton announced recently that um, um, Felwell is going to do some some of these. They're gonna the club is going to release these videos where he's going to start at, you know talking about things. Well, of course they are setting the agenda, and he is going to say pretty much nothing and make it seem like it's something, and that is. That is kind of what we have come to, sadly, we have kind of come to expect. So look, the bottom line is this, guys, and, and I want to be as consistent as possible on this. As long as um, Farhad Mashuri owns this club, uh, nothing is going to fundamentally change. Uh, and that that is, we can demand board accountability and all these things. And, you know, he'll throw us a bone every once in a while. But the answers to those questions in that written form tell you everything that you need to know about the club's willingness to engage in a meaningful and intellectually honest way. Like they can't, they refuse to answer basic questions and that's sort of par for the course. Um, and, and for us to believe anything after he is, you know, promised to sign players and promised to do that. And we got money for Anthony Gordon and didn't spend it. And we can't really explain why, we've got to really hone in on the fact that these gestures mean little because this is ultimately a results oriented business and an actions oriented business. Don't listen to what Everton say. Don't listen to what Farhad Mashiri says. Um, he can tell you that, Hey, we, you know, we need a striker. We'll get a striker. That doesn't matter. What matters is you sold Anthony Gordon for 40 million. You didn't reinvest a penny of that. And all I can, all I can see based on the actions of what we're seeing right now is that despite all of his remonstrations about the club not being for sale and, and the stadium is, is going great and everything's fine. This club is acting like a club that is selling off assets, pocketing money, not reinvesting it because they are trying to get sold. And, you know, Hey, I'm glad I want Farah Mashiri out of here as soon as possible, but don't insult my intelligence by acting as if that, you know, oh, we were going to sign someone when, when, when any club, like it seemed like any club could go out there and make last minute deals, except for us, the, whether it was bad intent or incompetence, neither of those answers are good. Like you can say, Hey, Everton tried really hard and they just didn't do it. But ultimately that's no better of an answer. That just means they're incompetent. So they're either incompetent or they're dishonest or they're both. And none of those are really good options for us. And none of it changes until Mashiri is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did find just some of them hilarious, admittedly. Um, it's, it's one of them now where people are so like, people were so adamant about communication. And now with, like I said before, every time they do anything, it's like, no, don't, you're just, just going to make it all worse. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like that phrase. It's like, it's better to people to think that you are stupid than to open your mouth and confirm it. Yes. Beyond doubt. Yes. Like, just that's, don't that's... be seen ever to, you know, if they want to stay away, if they don't want to talk, that's probably better. Let's just finish out this season. We'll focus on the players and the manager and, and just there's, there's nothing good that is coming out of them trying to communicate. Yeah, um, let's focus on one player in particular then. Um, we'll rattle through these next couple of topics before we get to Villa. Uh, Warren, I'll come to you, mate. Jordan Pickford um, is on the verge of, may have signed his contract after this goes out. Um, I mean, not loads to say on it other than this is obviously good news. He's a really good goalkeeper and he absolutely deserves it. Absolutely. I, I'm just a bit surprised he has actually signed it. I think uh, Dice confirmed it in the conf uh, press conference and it is being reported on BBC Sport now that he has signed. So, uh, by all accounts, yeah, it's done and dusted. So, hopefully, as you say, Matt, by the time this goes out, it will be confirmed by the club. Absolutely delighted with it. He's proven to be one of the top goalkeepers, if not the top goalkeeper in the league. Maybe that's said with a little bit of bias when the goggles on, but... You know, I, I refer back to the save against Chelsea last season. I don't think there's many keepers in the league who make that save. And that was key to us staying up in the end. That save, that was massive for us. So, absolute delight. And the thing with goalkeeper is it's a bit of a problem position. I think if you've got a good goalkeeper and you can hold on to them, you really need to do that and you can set the rest of the team off then. I think when you find that a goalkeeper leaves or retires that's being an exceptional goalkeeper, it takes often three or four keepers to eventually replace them. You know, I think back to, you know, even Neville with us, Neville Southall. It took us a while before we finally got a good, decent, solid keeper in who we were happy with. And then, you know, look at the likes of Schmeichel for United. They went through three or four keepers before they got a good one back. And it, it, it can be a problem position. 
So I think for us to nail down his contract is is absolutely massive for us. I really do think it's huge. The other, the, I would just, I'm a bit surprised though. I would have thought that the position we're in that maybe would have set his sights a little bit higher, maybe look to move away. And he, he, you know, I wouldn't have blamed him if he does on that. If he have looked for, you know, he was linked with Spurs, he was linked with Chelsea. He's been with a few clubs in the past, and I don't think you could have blamed him for wanting to spread his wings and you know go and try and win something. But he may look at it as, do you know what, I'm playing regularly for Everton. If I'm playing regularly for Everton, I'm going to be England's number one for you know the rest of, you know, at least the immediate. In terms, so good on him. I am surprised he signed, but absolutely delighted at the same time. I think it's amazing that we've got him tied down, and hopefully that just gives us a little boost that we can build on that. And there's something there for us to to build on going forward. And you know, maybe he's been given certain assurances or certain promises. I don't know. Hopefully that's going to happen, and hopefully that bodes well for us uh, into the future. So yeah, nice one. Really pleased he signed. Yeah, it's it's mad, Pete, though, because obviously everyone's pleased about it, and it seems like obvious, you know, John Pickford signing a new contract, that's dead good, duh. But like, there was there was a point where it could have gone a different way for him, wasn't it? You know, you think after that that game against Liverpool, the, the Van Dyke game, and when he when he was in the side after that, he, he, I remember he had like a few months of being pretty ropey, he got dropped for Robin Olsen, didn't he, when Angelotti was here as well, and it felt like at one point, like, he was a big problem for us and we were going to have to maybe try and get a new goalkeeper. And I think the fact that he sort of managed to come through that and has just got better and better arguably since then is, you know, credit to his his mentality and his belief in himself as, as much as his, his actual talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think um, with any goalkeeper, I think one of the things about goalkeepers is that they, that they, they do have um, a tendency to have a bit of a screw loose. And I think Jordan Pickford is, is one of those is one of those players, certainly, um where you where you know that he's um he's always gonna one sec, sorry about this. I've just got got my little dog, my little dog whiskey. And he's 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 got this he's got this habit basically of whenever I when I start talking. He tries to get involved, but anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, Pickford... feel free. You can have you can have a say on Jordan Pickford if he wants. Like, yeah, <laughs> telling you. But yeah, well, Pickford. I mean, as this, you know, going back to the whole Van Dyke thing and that that sort of situation, you could see at the time is you know psychologically he was obviously in a really bad place, and and I, and it was the right thing at the time to take him out to the side. Um, a little bit, and I think he was managed really well, and and that's another thing as well is that you know get at that point in his career um it could have gone he could have gone one or two ways and and the fact that Everton stuck by him and the fact that Everton showed him um you know that loyalty and the fact that Everton um you know gave him that chance to 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 prove himself again and to and to be, you know to be our regular number one it obviously got him got him into that England side into that England setup where he's actually you know he's excelled for England he's been absolutely fantastic for England so i think he will be looking at it thinking well you know, this club's been loyal to me. I, I owe the club some loyalty back. Um, the other thing to bear in mind as well is, is that it's it's just good business for Everton in terms of, you know, as much as you don't want to be looking at selling a player as soon as you sign the contract, it's good that one of our um, more saleable assets is has been, you know, um, has has been penned down to it to a long term contract. Because if you know the worst did come to the worst, um, at least we'd be able to get some money for him. Which you know we've seen in the past, the amount of players who we haven't wanted on those long-term contracts have uh, have, have been able to see out their deals without any any bids coming in. You'd like to think that if if we did need to raise some funds at some point, I'm sure that uh, there will be plenty of suitors for Jordan Pickford's signature. But um, but yeah, I think it's 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 a great sign for Everton in terms of it's it's um it shows that obviously players still have the faith in the side. He obviously shows that he's got the faith in the manager, um, and he and he still believes in the project that Everton are trying to are trying to achieve. Um, it also means that he could potentially be our goalkeeper going into Bramley Moor, which I'm sure is something that he'll be looking at himself. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Rob, do you think there's a bit of it maybe that Everton are hoping that he can play centre mid in the Championship next year? <laughs> Who Pickford? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's our best passer, right? Uh, no, I. Hey, look, I. Um... I mean, it's, we've said, I think I've said this a bunch of times, Matt, you know, I've certainly talked through the years uh, about the, the peaks and valleys of the Jordan Pickford experience, but I mean, he's, he's just been so solidly consistently good for a long period of time now. Um, I've, I, I definitely, there was a time where I wanted to, to, I wanted to move on from him and I, especially just because I, 
felt like if you have that many <clears throat> errors in you, then then what's and and he would go for a big price, then then and we had bigger problems to address. I think what's interesting now is that it's it, he's played really well. He absolutely deserves uh, a new a new contract. Uh, new terms if there's not like I think that he is probably he and his agents have probably looked at the current landscape right now and there's not you know there does not appear to be a move this summer that is going to to make logical sense I think that I mean I think as soon as one of those moves becomes available he's going to probably he's going to want to go and I I don't blame him for that at all Um, but since that move is not going to materialize anytime soon he's smart to uh to, to take the money <laughs> like you might as well be getting paid while you're here at everton um and and i have no problems with it because he's he's he unlike the vast majority of the squad is earning his paycheck and maybe a little bit more and so uh, i have no problems with it i think it's a, a smart move um i think that you um you always want to look after your investments and if you've signed him to a fresh fresh new contract then that at least in theory uh makes an eventual fee a little bit higher if if we're having this conversation maybe not next summer but or this coming summer but the summer after or or whenever um but but jordan pickford has been consistently everton's best player for you know, a year and a half now. I mean, at least maybe two years. I, I, it's been a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that he has decided to, you know, put pen to paper on something like this. And I think ultimately, regardless of his motivations or, you know, like, I don't really contracts in this sport mean whatever they mean at the moment, but I, I don't really care about what the motivations are. I just care that Everton have locked down their best or arguably their best player, uh, you know, for a little bit longer, locked down being whatever lockdown even means. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's good that they have him under a new deal uh, just because I think it puts it's it's a win win for everyone. It's a win win for Pickford in terms of of the new deal. And it's it's a win win uh, for Everton in terms of of uh, solidifying uh, a very probably their most valuable asset at this point. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. There'll be many people disappointed by that. Um, and yeah, hopefully it gets confirmed soon. It looks like a worry we might follow him as well, uh, but we'll have a chat about that at another time when that one gets done. Um... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On to actual football then, Pete. Villa on Saturday. And they are about as mid-table as can possibly be. I think they're eight points clear of the relegation zone, eight points behind Europe. Um, they've lost the last three, although two of them were against Arsenal and City, but they got beat 4-2 at home by Leicester as well. Uh, bit of a funny team, aren't they, under Emery? They've had some really good results. They've gone to Spurs and Brighton and won, but they've slipped up a few times at home and looked a little bit iffy. But I think from our point of view, I think it's going to be a game where, you know, to go back to what Rob said before, it feels like we're going to have to play a lot better than we did on Saturday if we're going to come away from this one with a win. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing as well about Filler is that they are they, they do have a lot of dangerous plays, um, a lot of a lot of decent plays in that final third. Um I, I think this is this is potentially going to be our biggest test. I think I think the Arsenal game um was a sort of a you know, it was the first game under Daesh. Um, it was always going to be, a, you know, that we, we knew what to expect from Arsenal. We knew that we we had to keep things tight, and we knew that, you know, if we had any chance, it was to it was to sort of snatch one and uh, and sort of frustrate Arsenal. Um, Leeds was just going to be, you know, going toe to toe with them and sort of see which <laughs> which one of us was less crap at the end of ninety minutes. And I think I think Aston Villa is probably going to be something similar to, to that. But I think the Villa. You know that they they do possess quite you know a lot of attacking talent. Um, that they are very dangerous, Aston Villa. But like you say, they've, they're, they're so they're such a jackal and hide team. Um, where they can go and get re- decent results against the likes of Spurs, but then you know they but then you know they 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 don't necessarily turn up every week. Um, they've lost three on the bounce, which always worries me. By the way, as an Everton, I'd love to know what other like fans of other teams think. 
when they go into a game against a team who've lost three on the bounce, I'd love to, like, do, do other fans, do fans of other teams go into that thinking, yeah, we're full of confidence. As an Evertonian, there's nothing worse than me than <laughs> us coming up against a team who've lost three on the bounce. It's look, just, at Ars- look at Arsenal, we've had lost for, what, five months and then we, we beat them, you know, so it's and I, probably going to work yeah. the opposite way, isn't it? I'm telling you, but there's something about it. It's like it's like that. It's like that thing about if a player. Is there anyone for Aston Villa who hasn't scored yet for them? By the way, can you think of anyone? Know. Anyone think... they signed in January? Because <laughs> just get <laughs> when they went a bit, didn't they? Danny Ings has left. Danny, I was going to say, yeah, oh, yeah. I think when yeah. they like we were the only team he'd scored against for a while. He, he scored like last season against us on the second day of the season, but I think he scored a couple more since then. So that one's put to bed. But <laughs> that one's put to bed. Okay, just have a have a look and find out. You know, does anyone who hasn't scored for like five years and put a bet on them? <laughs> but um, but yeah, but yes, I say it's you know we've had some we've had some funny little games against Villa in the past. I always remember that game when Schmeichel scored for them. We won three two. Um, I remember that one where Ashley Young, um, oh. where we managed to equalise. Remember the Jolie and Lescott one, and it Pretty was like you know we shared to the Villa fans. Yeah, and then yeah, and then it, it kicked off, and Ashley Young scored. So we've had some, you know, some really strange, um, you know, two and you know, back, what, what, you know, games like that where it's sort of end to end. Um, so I just don't think that we've got, <laughs> we haven't got anyone in the final third to make it end to end. So we need to just keep it tight and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a huge test. I think Villa, they, they do have an array of attacking talent that we need to, that we need to keep under wraps. But um, yeah, I'm still confident, still confident somehow. Um, and hopefully <laughs> we can make it four losses on the bounce for Villa. Yeah. Um, I thought they were quite good, Warren, last weekend against Arsenal Villa, to be fair. It was one of those games they could have won. They hit the bar, they had a good chance saved. And then they conceded a bit of a freak goal, and then um, obviously they conceded the fourth going for the for the for the equaliser in the end. But I think Pete Wright is. You, know, you look at Watkins in particular, who's playing out of his skin at the moment. And Bailey's been very hit and miss. But they are like a they've got a, they've got a good squad of players there, haven't they? And I think it's it's going to be one of them where we have got to make it tight again because we open it up and you, you let Watkins and Bailey and you give Buendia time on the ball, space to counter attack into them. We're, we're going to struggle a bit. We are. They are the, the threats that can hurt us potentially. And I remember speaking to you, Matt, a while back saying that we were talking about how we were in terms of if we got anyone who can get us out of the mess we're in. We referenced Villa and we said, do you know what, I don't think there's much between the sides. It's just that Villa seem to have one or two players like, like Watkins, like, you know, Coutinho even, and, and you know, Brendia, Bailey who could produce something on the day that, that could get them up. I'm just looking at the table, actually, and I've seen that they conceded 38 goals this season, Villa 8. They're one of the highest in the league. So they have got defensive frailties. If we can, you know, hit that and, and, and you know, come on top of that, we could we could be in for, for a bit of luck, maybe. But I think we've got to be very solid against that attack that they have got. And, might suit them coming away from home as well. You never know. It might suit them coming to our place. And but then again, you know, we're not exactly going to be, I wouldn't say dominating possession or or, you know, being, you know, all out attack against them. So it it might be one of them games where, yeah, we might have to scuff it out again and see what we can do and hopefully pounce on their defensive frailties. But again, just looking at the table, you know, we managed to get a win against Villa. We're only four points behind them then. And I know it's a big if, but for a side that is considered comfortable mid-table and safe from relegation. I think to be within four points of them just speaks volumes of how average their season's been. So, yeah, it's it's all to play, but the home games are so key. The home games are so key. We've got a, bit, a couple of big away games coming up, and I'm looking a little bit further ahead. We've got Forest coming up soon, which is going to be a massive game. But I think at this stage of the season, we've just got to try and pick up points wherever we can get them. I would actually take a draw on Saturday if, you know, I think someone said before the, uh, the Leeds game, this is one of the games that it's it's must win, but it's do not lose. And I think the same applies for Saturday. If we, we can come out of it with the points with, you know, three out of three out of the four games under dice should be fantastic. But there's definitely uh, there's definitely scope for us to to hit them defensively and, and to get something out of this. And hopefully with the home crowd behind us, you know, we can get something and we'll feel even more comfortable than we do at the moment on uh, Saturday evening. Yeah, it's it's one of them as well, Rob, where I know we won last weekend, but you look at the table and it's so tight. It, it didn't really feel like much had changed down there. But, you know, this yeah. weekend, it's West Ham versus Forest in one game. It's Leeds versus Southampton in another. Bournemouth are playing Manchester City. You know, if we win at the weekend, just by virtue of the fact that those fixtures are happening, then we could put some really 
you know, not massive game changing distance between teams, but you, you're feeling a lot better about things, aren't you? All of a sudden, because not all those teams are going to take points like they did last weekend. Yeah, well, yeah the the results that have happened alongside our our what what are, what are we calling this the 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 dice revolution or the 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 skyrocketing up the table to 16th or whatever it is we're doing surge, right now. The surge, the surge. The yeah yeah <laughs> so uh they, they've not gone in our favor but it also kind of lends to my theory or to my my idea that there's really no point right now in 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 focusing too much uh especially day of the game like what what's happening around us like everton you know there's so much time to go still that everton just need to take care of their business and and not worry but those things will work themselves out you know what i mean but uh yeah like it three if we were to somehow win well i shouldn't make it sound like such a, a miracle but if we won on saturday three wins out of four now now you're starting to persuade me that we're seeing an act like uh, maybe something resembling a trend i almost don't want to call it a trend because i'm afraid of that but but we've you know tell me the last time we went three out of four uh it's been it's been a long time and so uh two out of three it's such a weird sample size given the 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 context and who we played and all those things but our villa are just a bang on mid table like it's at home everton shouldn't be favored because everton aren't as good as villa but i think that everton villa are certainly beatable um they are very susceptible defensively unfortunately we are equally if not more so inept offensively and so i i don't really know what to make of that I think my concern is going to be with Villa is going to be the concern I probably have for any of our other games remaining, which is uh, tell me whether or not we are going to score first. Tell me whether or not the other team is going to score at all. And then if you answer those questions, I have a good sense of how the game's going to go. Like, like, cause, cause right now the notion of us scoring more than one goal in a game right now feels like a different planet, right? It just feels so unlikely. So we we're living on such thin margins and this is again goes back to our squad discussion and the transfer windows and all that but but if we can keep them you know keep them out of out of goal to warren's point I, a draw wouldn't be the worst thing i'd like for us to sco- to to obviously a win would be incredible under any circumstances um i just feel like with villa's attacking quality we're we're kind of in that plan of well we've just got to keep a clean sheet and then what do we do if we don't like if they score within the first 25 minutes what then uh what does what what does uh, the manager have to pull out of his bag of tricks that we we don't really you know that no manager has really been able to do for Everton for a while uh, to to address that lack of scoring but uh look Villa are very beatable um we are at home uh, we need to get a result we need to find ways to to put points together manufacture goals whatever you whatever you want to say um it's it's a decent opportunity but but as as warren said we really just can't lose uh on saturday i think that's 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 the main thing we we you could almost afford a, a result here or there that doesn't go your way at home if we hadn't lost so many winnable games at home already this season like now. and there's nothing you can do about it now other than than try to to flip the script and, and win these games so uh without calvert lewin playing again uh surprise surprise uh, i i'm just wondering where do the goals come from do we have an actual midfielder or attacking player who scores a goal for the first time under Deitch? like that would be amazing i'd love to see that so i guess we'll we'll see how it goes on saturday yeah absolutely um i think a draw i think a draw will be fine i think it might be a draw as well but yeah here's hoping um we will leave it there. Just before we do go, actually, um, Pete, um, want to speak to you quickly about big game happening at Goodison Park next week on a Friday night. Um, it is Everton versus Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. Um, we are doing really well. They are not doing well. It's a great chance to see the Blues beat the Reds. Um, bit, of, bit of a weird sh- shift in kickoff time, but should still definitely be worth getting down there for it. Yeah, it's it's on the it's the twenty fourth of March. It is. It's in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. Sorry, yeah, next so month. Yeah, yeah, next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, like throughout this season, where you know we've we've obviously been struggling, um, going to Goodison Park every week. Um, this is the one fixture of 
Goodison Park I'm actually really looking forward to, <laughs> where, where I feel like I know I know that I'm going to see a team who are going to who are going to uh, we're going to fight for every ball and a, and a team we've got real quality, um, a, a team with so much attacking intent, a, a team with, with, as I say, quality throughout. Um, we, we managed to absolutely slap them at Anfield, um, beat them 3-0, uh, deservedly so, absolutely battered them. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I, re- I really, um, it's a long time coming, uh, this Merseyside derby, you know, in the WSL uh, against, against Liverpool, they... You know, we were meant to be playing them before lockdown happened. Um, the first game was called off because of a gale. Then, then lockdown happened. Then they decided to get relegated. Um, so it took them a couple of years to get back up. So yeah, it's been a long time coming, but I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. And it'd be great to see as many as many people down there as possible as well. Because we, I mean, I can't really under understate just how how much you know how much fight and heart and how much. Everton Football Club means to these players as well. This, this group of players are absolutely incredible, and anyone who's been to see them at Walton Hall Park this season, or anyone who's who's seen them, you know, perform on a TV or or, or away from home, um, you'll know just how much the, the you know this this football club means to these players. And uh, I'd just love to see as many Evertonians down there as possible to sort of show that love back to the players, because um, it would be an incredible occasion to, if we could if we could get close to selling out Goodison Park. Um, I just know how much it means to those that that group of players and, and to the manager as well. He's doing a fantastic job. It's just said on Twitter there that ten thousand tickets have been sold already. So with a month wow. in advance, that's that's Brilliant. fantastic. So that's yeah. you know, should encourage everyone to go to that. It'd be a fantastic opportunity, I think, to support the women and get as many people down there. So to have ten thousand tickets sold already, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, oh, it's great to hear that. Absolutely, absolutely made up to hear that. Do you know what? As well, we, we've got our um, one of the things about our like our supporters club as well. Um, we're sat in Lower Gladys Three, I think it is. We're in LG Three, so if anyone wants to join in with our singing section, get over, get over to uh, to LG Three <laughs> and join in. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm delighted to, um, to hear that Warren that we've that we've sold ten thousand. Let's uh, let's aim for another, let's aim for the next ten thousand now and try and get up to twenty and start creeping up. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm yeah I'm really looking forward to it, Matt. Yeah, and the songs for the um, for that team are absolutely boss because you're not <laughs> if you're not heard by the you get, want to go back and listen to this. He's interviewed a couple of the players uh, not too long ago and sung the songs back to them. Yeah, uh, and see if they could guess which which one it was. <laughs> and they're so much better than the songs we've got for the lads. Absolutely. So I'm uh, telling you, I'll, we've got like a whole songbook. You know, there's like a whole songbook. Like one of the one of them is um, Jess Park song. So obviously we have to use like Park Life by Blair. So we've got this. <laughs> they've all they've, they've all been well thought of. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of thought goes in. To these songs, but um, yeah, it's fine. And also, I, I interviewed Meg Finnegan last week, so if yeah. anyone hasn't listened to that, listen to that one as well, because Meg actually made a suggestion for another song that she wants to, uh, she wants us to sing. So yeah, oh. there's a lot of there's a lot of interaction going on with the players as well. You see, the players really en- really enjoy it, but they also sort of get involved with it. They, you know, they 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 really do appreciate the support. Um, that's one thing I would say about the women's game as well is that the players really genuinely, um, they've got so much time for the supporters, they've got so much time for the fans, and it really means the the world to them as well. Um, so yeah, carry on encouraging. Hey, Pete, what's it like to have access to interview Everton players? That sounds <laughs> oh. Yeah, are you making this up? Is this like are these actual <laughs> real Everton players here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess women, absolutely. women, women can uh, articulate their thoughts and speak for themselves at Everton. That's interesting. Like, I, I wonder if the men could someday have that kind of ability. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Oh, but well, they are they, they are brilliant, Rob. To be fair, you know yeah. they, they are they, they are absolutely brilliant, and and yeah, it's nice. But as I say, it, it you know I'm part of part of the Everton Women's Supporters Club, um, secretary of the Everton Women's Supporters Club. So Everton have been great with us in terms of you know in terms of letting us you know speak to Amazing. speak to a lot of the players, and and again, I think a lot of it comes from just generally having a a good relationship with with the with the club and with the players as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know we we do make an effort to try and improve atmospheres and things like that, and. And Everton have been kind enough to sort of, you know, help us out um, at the Blue Room as well to make sure that we can we, we can get some good interviews and good content as well. And obviously, Matt Matt's been speaking to Everton for a while about it as well. So it's yeah, it's um, re- really good, really honoured as well, re- really good, big honour for me to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do go and check out that interview nice one. with uh, Meg Finnegan. She's uh, been absolutely boss rages for Everton as well. So well worth listening. Yeah, we will do loads of build up to that game, of course as the weeks tick by. Uh, But we'll leave it there. Cheers to Pete, Rob, and Warren. That has been your weekly show. 
Hopefully the Blues do the business this weekend once again. Up the top of East, we'll speak to you soon. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.